This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're going to uh, continue a topic we, we hit last week, and uh, we're going to go over that again, go over some things here as we're talking about the strongest voice. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to read your word, to, to, to hear your word taught, and we thank you, Father. Because it changes us. It's life to us and it's health to us as we find it. And so we thank you tonight. Father, I ask that you would grant me wisdom and utterance. That when we speak, Father, it's, it's words that bring help and strength. And our hearts are open and they're receptive. As people watch online, as people are here, Father, in the auditorium, thank you that it's your anointing that breaks yokes and the Holy Spirit that can enlighten us like no one else can. So tonight, we thank you. We expect good things from you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Our text on the strongest voice has been 1 Corinthians 14.10. It says, there are, it may be, so many kind of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. And uh, last week, we began to talk about the fact that God wants us to do well, and he's actually shown us ways to do well. And his instructions to Joshua were for his benefit and for those that he led. Joshua had a big job. Joshua was the one responsible for taking the children of Israel into the promised land uh, after Moses had led them out into the wilderness. And of course, they balked at it. That's always good stories to read, find out why they didn't go in. And then uh, Joshua was responsible. So he had a big job following Moses and then, and then leading what, what really amounted to millions of people and handling the logistics and all of that and leading them into the promised land. So here we are with... Uh, God's very specific instructions to Joshua. Let's read those again and talk about those just a little bit more. Joshua, the first chapter, verses 7 and 9. Only be strong. He's talking, God's talking to Joshua and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of a good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's instructions to Joshua are good principles, and he wanted Joshua to concede, to succeed, and so he gave him principles. And these principles, we can take a look at them, and we can apply them to our life today. And so that's the, the whole idea behind this. Now, we had looked at, at Psalms, the first chapter, and David in the Psalms talked about blessed is a man who doesn't walk after, and he lists a, a group of people, the scornful, the sinners, and the mockers. And uh, he said, and then also, or the ungodly, I'm sorry, the ungodly, the sinners, and mockers. He said, said but the ones who are blessed are the ones who would meditate in the Word. And so we're, we're talking a little bit about meditation. I, I keep going over this point because I still feel like we have the wrong idea of that. So God tells Joshua... To meditate. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, again, that doesn't mean that Joshua was supposed to speak scripture to everyone. But what he was supposed to do was that his words were to line up with what God's word had said. So in other words, here's what God said. His words are to line up with that. That's a good principle. This is where we don't want to speak. Remember, he's telling Joshua how to do well. And so he told Joshua, for example, he said to Joshua, you be strong and be courageous. He said, and don't be afraid or dismayed because I'm with you wherever you go. So it would be wise for Joshua to say, the Lord is with us. 
the Lord's helping us. It would not be wise for Joshua to say, I just don't know where God is. I just, you know, I just, I just feel like God's a million miles away. I don't know where he is. But if God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, what's the best thing for Joshua to say? The Lord's with us. The Lord hadn't left us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be dismayed. So what he's doing is aligning, and, and that's what that means. So he's beginning to align his words up with what God, with what God said. Now, then God said, but you, you don't, don't speak contrary to this. He said, but then, he said, you need to meditate day and night. Now, this is where people balk. They go, I, you know, I can't meditate day and night. I got a job. I do real, I do real work, preacher. I don't just work on Sundays and Wednesdays like you do. I, I do real work. <laughs> yes, you do. So how in the world are we going to meditate uh, day and night? That word meditate, and, and this is where, I think this is where our thinking has to change. We, we take that word meditate, and most people, when you say, hey, have you meditated today? The vast majority of people think it is a separate, set-apart time where you are quiet and, and you are you know, alone and you're by yourself and you're sitting quietly and there's no distractions around you and you are, uh, and, and the, when the world says meditate, often what they will encourage you to do is to empty your mind of thoughts. So you want to just not think about anything. You want to focus on your breath, they'll say. And by the way, meditation has picked up dramatically just in the last five years with people talking about it and people meditating in a year, people all this time, I meditate. So we think of meditation and, and we think of meditation as, well, you know what, I, I, I got to drive to work. I can't just like sit and stare at the ceiling and, and focus on my breathing. I, I have other things. How in the world am I going to meditate day and night except maybe God's view of meditation and the world's view of meditation could be different? See, a lot of times I don't think we've thought meditation is doing what really what the scripture says to do is to speak it or to mutter it to yourself. And that the world says empty your thoughts. God's meditation is fill your thoughts. But you're not filling them with stupid thoughts. You're filling them with God's thoughts. So if, if I'm meditating, so I'm driving to work, I can meditate. Say, that's dangerous. Your eyes are closed and you're focusing on your breath. No, no, no. That's not what I'm doing. But what, but what if I just took a, a scripture and on the way to, to work, I just quoted a scripture to myself and quoted a scripture to the Lord. What if I just took, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? And I'm repeat that over and over again. If God is for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So I can just take that verse and just meditate on that verse and think about that verse all the way. You go, well, well, that, well that's weird. Really? Is it? Or is thinking about how the Texans are going to win a game all the way to work, is that, is, is that okay? I mean, that's a legitimate thought. Very legitimate. But, but people think if you take a scripture and meditate on the scripture or just kind of mutter a scripture and speak to yourself, yeah, we'll walk around the house talking and we'll just quote, we'll quote scripture. And say, what are you doing? I'm meditating. So we can, no, 
Not this. This. Driving. Doing. How many of you know you have moments at work where you're not focused on your work? Come on. Have you ever been to work and you thought about something else besides work the whole day? Don't, please don't raise your hand if you're my staff. I, I don't want to see that. But how, maybe, maybe you had something going on, you got, you got things happening, or you're worried about something, and, and you might have been doing your job, but you're worried about something else. You ever done that? Anybody ever worried a whole day? No. So if we can worry a whole day, if we can take, if we can take negative things and worry a whole day, can we take positive things and worry a whole day? See, I, that's, and it's different because we're accustomed to doing it the other way. We're accustomed to... If, it's like a friend of mine, I heard him talking the other day. He said, you know, he said, uh, you know, Jesus said to speak to the mountain and, uh, and tell it to be removed. Or, or, and he said, it's amazing how people will cuss things. But if you say something positive to it, then you're weird. Car won't start. People are like, blankety, blank. Car, I want to blankety, blank. I want to this blank, blank car. And, and no one goes, oh, that's weird. Now, if you're a Christian, we all go, mm. Mm. But if you walk out and go, you're a blessed car. You are a blessed car. People are like, you're weird. <laughs> yeah, and my car starts. <laughs> Take your poison. Um, meditate day and night. I don't think I've given up on this because I'm going to come back to it. Here's, here's the idea. The purpose of meditation, here's the, the objective. He said that you could observe to do it. That you can observe to do it. If you ever heard the term, you, you've got to be able to see it, to do it? I'll give you an example. In the 19 uh, track and field, 1930s, 40s, and 50s, uh, doctors and coaches had gotten together and determined that it was physically impossible for a man to run a four-minute mile, under four minutes. That was physically impossible. And so people would come close to it, but it was, it was a barrier. And a man, by the, an Englishman by the name of Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, I'm, I'm wanting to say in the 50s. He broke it. Any of you historians know, am I right? On, I got the name right. I don't know if I have the date right. He broke it and ran a sub-four-minute mile. And after Roger Bannister did it once, people began to do it, and, and just, it began to multiply exponentially. What happened was when people could not see it, when they saw it as an impossibility, it created a barrier for them. But when somebody did it and broke through the barrier, then other people could see themselves doing it, and you've actually had high schoolers who have broken a four-minute mile. Jim Ryan broke one, I think, in 1968 as a high schooler. And so the idea is often you hear observe to do it. You have to be able to see yourself doing it. So God was telling Joshua, Joshua, you meditate in my word, and the reason you're meditating is so you can observe to do it, so you can begin to put it into practice. Because when you put it into practice, he said, then you make your way prosperous, and then you have good success. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? Is So we're, we're not just hearing God's word and going, mm, that was great. That was a great sermon. That was wonderful. We're actually taking God's word, and when we read it, we begin to say, Lord, I, I, need to, I want to be able to see this. 
Because the more I can see it, and the more I can see myself with it, it, it begins to change. Now, there's a process there. And it's what the Bible actually refers to in the New Testament as renewing the mind. So let's look at that just for a second. Romans 12, chapter, verses 1 and 2. Paul is writing to the church. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Leave it up there just for a moment. Let's look at that for a second. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. That's your reasonable service. How many of you know that after you're born again, you're responsible for doing something with your body? That's two of you. Good. Let me share with the rest of you. Uh, Wholly acceptable to God, which is your, your reasonable service. I was a teenager and in college in the 70s. Pretty loose time morally. And so I went to a college where the girls outnumbered the guys about two to one, which put the odds in my favor. <laughs> so I was, I was more active in the, in the do I, need, I don't need to go into detail on this. Can you figure this one out? Okay, good. I was more active in the 70s. And, but then when I, when I came to the Lord, I graduated from college in 1981. When I came to the Lord, I knew something needed to stop. I'd been going to the clubs down in, in, in Texas and, and trying to pick up women, some unsuccessfully, some successfully. You don't swing, you don't hit. So I, I, was, <laughs> so I was doing the best I could. I was, I'm, not a, I'm not a country dancer, but disco was still around, and, and disco was very, very good to me. <laughs> all you innocent people, do you all just keep laughing. Just keep laughing. Here's the deal. When I, when I came back to the Lord, many of you know my story, when I met Joy and Joy's life convicted mine, when I came back to the Lord, guess what I stopped doing? Yes, I stopped discoing, yes. Yes, I did. But I also stopped everything that went with the discoing. And I stopped sleeping with women. Why why did y'all get so quiet? (laughs) Yeah, some of you people just love hearing my stories. I'd like to hear yours sometimes, all right? But mine are old. (laughs) I knew better. I was raised in church. and, And I knew that wasn't God's plan. I'm going to talk to the people online. I knew that that wasn't God's plan. <laughs> that God designed it, that, a husband, that the sexual relations are to be between husband and wife. Man and woman. Okay. So anything outside of that was wrong. Didn't mean at 21 years old I stopped having feelings but it means I present my body a living sacrifice. So there's some things that we do that you say, well, that's hard. Uh Uh-huh, it was. But that's a living, if it was a, it's not a dead sacrifice, it's a living sacrifice. 
That means it's kicking and screaming up on the altar, but you're like, no, you can't do this. So we're responsible for doing something. I, I, uh, I, I was a marijuana smoker and uh, a, a drinker. Now, I, I, kept, I kept drinking until Joy and I went to Bible school. And then we determined if we were going to be in ministry, that because of that, we didn't want to be a bad example for anyone else, so we stopped drinking. Uh, but I stopped smoking dope immediately. <laughs> didn't take Bible school to make me realize it's illegal and I, I, I didn't need to be outside. I didn't want anything controlling my thinking or influencing my thinking. So I stopped. What's that? Living sacrifice. Present your body a living sacrifice. So uh, you, you did that once. No, you, oh, that's, a, that's a continual process. And so it's, it's something that we learn learned to do. <laughs> it's not a struggle anymore. <laughs> I, I, I don't like, oh, God, please help me keep me from smoking dope. That is not a problem anymore. <laughs> but there's still things that, that, that come up that you have to say no to. And so you never want to feel like you, you're way ahead of your flesh because your flesh is there. And your flesh will give you fits if you let it. And so you just have to say no. You say, well, I don't understand that. But have you ever dieted? <laughs> have you ever gone on a diet? If you've done a successful diet, your body has talked to you a lot. It's like there's Oreos in the cabinet. You need some. Your body will talk to you. I need some. I need some Oreos. I've got to have some Oreos. And you have to tell your body, no, you don't get Oreos. But I want Oreos. No. No Oreos. If we're on a successful diet. If you're not on a successful diet, like, have at it. But uh, it's, it's saying no. So that was free. That wasn't part of meditating, but it, it was renewing the mind. But he said, present your body as a living sacrifice. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Let's talk a little bit about that. So we're responsible for doing something with our bodies. We're also responsible for doing something with our minds. Transformation is in our hands. The Greek word uh, for transformation is metamorphosis. Where do we get the word metamorphosis? It means to change form. So we're going to be transformed. How are we going to be transformed? We've got to change the way that we think. And I'm going to add to that, not just the way our thoughts, but the way we see ourselves. And I'm going to give you some help with that just for a second. But hang on to that thought. The way we see ourselves. And through God's word, or being, conform, excuse me, being conformed is the easiest path. So in other words, it's saying is, you can come to the Lord. You can, you can have a, a relationship with him. You can be born again, just truly born again. But if you don't do something with your body and with your mind, you will act the very same way you used to act. Now, people have often looked and said, well, that's just not right. I mean, I thought, they, I thought they were a Christian, and I thought, and here they are acting like, just acting like a, a crazy heathen. They didn't get saved. And that's not what Paul said when he wrote the church at Corinth. And he wrote, this isn't, I don't, I don't have this in the notes. It's, it's not going to be on the screen. And so let me, just, let me just read you. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and uh, he said, verse, chapter 3, verse 1, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for now you're not able to receive it, and you're still not able, for you're still carnal. He said, for where there's envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? The word there actually means mere unchanged men. 
Paul was writing to people who were truly born again. The Corinthian church was actually were a born again, spirit filled group. He said, but you're acting like mere unchanged men. He didn't say you weren't saved. He just said, you're not, you're, you're not acting right. They hadn't renewed their minds yet. He said, there's envy and strife and division. So in other words, if we don't change the way we're, we think and the way we see ourselves and, and, the, and the way God sees us, and we don't change that, we can still act the same way we used to act. So, you know, like I said, when I, when I came to the Lord, I knew I needed to stop smoking pot. But guess what was harder for me to, to control? Not smoking dope. That was actually fairly easy. It was my words, unkind words out of my mouth. That's a little tougher. But I realized I needed to stop doing that then. Now, I used to cuss a lot. I, I could cuss creatively. <laughs> and uh, again, raised in church, I knew to stop. So it was easy for me not to be conformed. <laughs> True story, lady on Christian television years ago brought in a group of kids who come from the streets of L.A. and they'd just gotten saved. And they had them in there sharing this little bit of their testimony, rough testimony. And they told one, one girl, they said, well, the hostess said, she said, well, you just need to curse the devil. And what she was talking about is, is, is saying, Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. But she said, she gave the microphone to one of these little girls and said, you need to curse the devil. And the girl looked at him and said, really? And she said, Yes, and she did. <laughs> you blankety blank, 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 blank devil. And all, all the church people went. <laughs> she didn't know any better. She, didn't know, she did not know any better. So she just simply did what, what she Exactly. This day you tell me to curse, I'm going to curse. So, so here's the thing. As we learn and grow, we can change. As we learn, we, we begin to realize, okay, I, I don't have to use words like that. I can begin to change. Hey, I don't have to let envy and jealousy and hatred and, and, and bitterness and prejudice run my life. Because I'm a new creation in Christ. And that, see, there's where the renewal comes in. That's renovating, and so we begin to take God's word. Some of you have found out you're a new creation in Christ. And all that junk that was in the past, that's passed away. And you can act like someone who's different. And you, you know, this, this new creation, full of the love of God, full of the peace of God, is someone who blesses and doesn't curse. And you begin to get a picture of, hey, I've changed. God has changed me. And spiritually, I'm a new person. And so I can begin to act like a new person. People say, how did you enjoy marriage? How did, y'all, how did you go from horrible marriage to very, very good marriage? How did you get there? We went there because it wasn't because God just felt sorry for us one day. and said, well, well, they're trying hard. <laughs> and bless Joy's heart, having to live with him, I'm just kind of... Mm-hmm. No, both of us begin to renew our minds as to what kind of conduct was, was becoming to someone who was a new creation in Christ. And we begin to renew our minds that the love of God is the best way to walk. Does this make sense? And so 
oftentimes, this is why I, give, I, I appreciate this church so much because we have new believers come in all the time. New believers have different ways of doing things. And I appreciate people who have the maturity to realize as they learn, they'll grow. As they learn and begin to find out more about who they are, it changes the behavior. Listen, we don't have to try to tell everyone how to dress and what to do and what not to do. Let them come in and grow and get stronger in the Lord. Some of these things will drop off their life just like it dropped off your life. But we have to give them a chance instead of condemning them to help them see who they are now in Christ. And so our minds are constantly being renewed into who we are, who we really are from God's perspective. So when Paul wrote the church, he didn't go, well, you bunch of lousy, unsaved buzzards. Why in the world are y'all doing this? He just said, y'all are acting like unchanged men. In other words, this isn't how you should be acting because you have been changed. And the Spirit of God has changed your life. And that's such a, man, what, what good news. But here's the, here's the good news. We don't stop. We don't get to a place where we're like, well, I guess I've just reached that place of perfection. <laughs> no one's there. The Bible said we go from glory to glory. You know, one of the exciting things about being a Christian is that all of us, regardless of our age or our background or what's going on, have the ability to be stronger and more Christ-like a year from now than we are right now. Man, that's good news. So many people stop growing, stop developing, stop changing. They reach a certain age like I'm done, that's it. Hey, as a believer, we don't have to stop growing, stop changing. We keep finding out who we are, and as we begin to see ourselves differently, it causes us to change. And it causes us to be more Christ-like. And if you're more Christ-like, I promise you, you're more of a blessing to the people around you. You get two people acting like Jesus in the same household, and that is a blessed household. You got, you got two people who are following the Lord and, and beginning to act like Jesus. Well, you're just trying to act like Jesus. That's exactly what I'm trying to act like. And that's what all of us should be trying to act like, is act like him. That, mean, that doesn't mean we walk around and go, ah, oh, bless you, bless you. It means how Jesus looks in you is going to be a little bit different from how he looks in me, but the fruit's going to be the same. Does that make sense? So as we're, as we're you know, people say, well, you're always talking about reading your Bible. Yeah, because it has the ability to change us. Because the more I see in here, I begin to find out I'm different. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God's prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I now overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Man, there's, I'm going to tell you something. We look good in Christ. We look real good. Outside of him, not so good. In him, real good. So we go, it's, I don't go to the Lord based on I'm Pastor Allen. I don't go, Lord, it's Pastor Allen. <laughs> and he would go, so? <laughs> no, I go, Lord, I, I, I thank you. I can come before your throne boldly in Jesus' name because I'm in him and he's in me. I'm united with him. Pastor Allen's only a job function. But in Christ, no male, no female. No slave, no free. Level ground. Which means you and I have the potential to grow as much in Christ as we want to. And so the beauty, and I'm talking to people who are watching on Wednesday nights. I'm talking to people who are here on Wednesday nights. So these are... 
These are folks that could be doing something else, but you're here in church. I don't believe you're wasting time. I believe you're finding out and, and renewing your mind, and God's planting seeds in you that can grow up and produce great fruit. Don't be transformed, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's the, here's the thought. I'm going to leave you with this thought. I thought it was a good one. What if you were paid by the thought? It doesn't work with me. I, this is, so Alan, this is one of your random shower thoughts, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, it is, but watch, watch this. <laughs> watch this. What if you got, let's say you had a positive thought about your spouse, and that, that's a $5 thought. Now you get paid at the end of the day, but hang on. A good thought about your spouse, that's a $5 thought. You had a good thought about your church, it's a $10 thought. <laughs> you, you had a, you had a, you know, you, you faced a difficult time at work, but you, you, you thought good about it. That's another $10 thought. Then you had a thought about yourself, about how much of a loser you were. Uh oh, that's a deficit thought. You just got docked five bucks. And then you had a bad thought about someone that you work with. And that's another deficit thought. What if at the end of the day, you sat down with the Lord, the Lord said, well, because of your thoughts, um, you owe me about a hundred bucks. <laughs> and you go, Lord, what, what can I do? He said, well, Thinking good about your spouse, $5. Thinking good about other people, 5 or a $10 thought. It's going to take a lot of those good thoughts to, to make some money. What, what if you took one of God's thoughts? How much is it worth? That's a $100 thought. So here's the thought. If God is for me, who can be against me? What if you took that thought and thought about that? That's a good thought. You just walked around thinking, God's for me. Who can be against me? God is for me. Who can be against me? If God is for me, who does it matter who's against me? If God is for, but you can you can take. How do you know that's a that's a higher thought? God said my thoughts aren't your thoughts, but He's given us a whole book of His thoughts, and so and those are high value thoughts. How many know some of the thoughts we think if you if you monetize them they're not worth much. You know, are the Astros cheating? Hope not. What are they going to do with Deshaun Watson? I don't know. Should Aaron Rodgers really be in Green Bay? I mean, I don't know. I mean, what happens if I win the lottery? You're thinking, that's a five. No, that's a, that's a zero thought. That ain't going to help you. It's not doing anything for you. It's not productive thought. But what if we monetized our thoughts? How much are yours worth? But what do you say? Well, yeah, I don't know. My thoughts aren't that good. I believe God's thoughts are high thoughts. They're high value thoughts. So thinking about, you know, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. That's a good thought. So I'm thinking, you say, well, that's kind of prideful. It's not prideful. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. He loved me. He's the one that made me more than a conqueror. I didn't say I made myself. But now that I'm in him, I have a relationship with him. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Isn't that a good thought?
Isn't that better than thinking I'm a loser? I can't do it. I never turn out. Things never turn out well for me. Things aren't good. How come it always happens to me? I'm unlovable. You'll never amount to much. How many thoughts run through our head that are negative thoughts? How many thoughts go? Listen, some of the thoughts that we think about ourselves, we wouldn't dare say to our children. And yet, we'll think about ourselves. So what I'm saying is, we renew our minds by saying, Lord, I'm going to stop thinking about myself that way. And I'm going to take your thoughts. If you're for me, who can be against me? You didn't spare your own son, but you delivered him up for us all. How will you not with him freely give me all things? Lord, you'll give me all the wisdom I need. You'll give me all the help I need. You'll give me all the provision I need. Lord, you're, you're on my side. God's for me. The God of the universe is for me. The God who created the heavens and the earth is on my side. See, if you just think that way, that'll, that'll put a bright spot into your day. It's a whole lot better than thinking, nothing ever turns out good for me. <laughs> Life stinks. And then it gets worse. There's, there's, no, there's no real value in being negative. There's huge, there's huge value in taking some of God's thoughts. So this week, just, just try it. Think about your thoughts and what if you got paid for them or docked for them. I don't know about you, but I'd love to settle up at the end of the day. The Lord said, looks like I owe you about 14 grand. I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, sir. I'm going to take those thoughts. Like I said, it's a random shower thought, but I thought it was worth I thought it was worth sharing because we don't think enough about our thoughts and value them enough. And so all kinds of random thoughts can run through our heads. How many of them are helping us? I want, to, I want, I want thoughts that are productive. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're so good. You give, us, you give us so many opportunities to learn, to grow. You're merciful with us, and we're so grateful for that. Thank you for that. Help us renew our minds. Help us begin to see ourselves in the light of how you see us, because that's so good. And, Father, that can make such a difference. And not just to us, but make us a blessing, Father, to the people around us. The world needs so much light and life, and we're the containers of it. Help us shine it. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed if you're here this evening and you say, you know, Alan, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God or I don't and I really want to or maybe I used to but I've gotten away from him. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front but if you won't end on that prayer, this is for you. I'm not going to have you stand up but I am going to ask you to do one thing. It takes some courage to do it. If that's you that I'm talking to, you just shoot your hand up real quick. Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? I know I need the Lord in my life. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Great. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you can still get in on this prayer. This is a heart prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. You're watching online. Pray this with us. You can pray it. Uh, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, you can pray it quietly. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior.
is the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that have prayed that prayer, for those who have come back to you, for those who have come to you for the very first time, for those online, for those who are here. Father, thank you. Thank you for the power of the new birth. Thank you for the power of forgiveness. Thank you for the work that you do in us that starts now but lasts for eternity. We thank you for that. Ask your blessings on them in Jesus' name. Amen. While heads are still bowed, let me do this. Father, for those of us in here who know people who are dealing with COVID right now, we ask you for your healing power and your mercy in their lives. We ask you, Father, for grace for their families. And we ask your protection, Father, around, around us and our families. We thank you, Father, that you give your angels charge over us and they guard us in all our ways. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.